What if the world was different? Science fiction is usually utopian or dystopian, either unrealistically good or unbelievably bad. There doesn't seem to be much in the middle. But what if we looked at science fiction differently? What if we instead looked at a realistic world? A believable world. This is the world of Bellatopia. In this episode of Bellatopia... The space race wasn't just about who could get to the moon first. There were other battlefields where the space race was fought. One of those battlefields was in building a permanent manned presence in space in the form of a space station in low Earth orbit. Such a station would not only be a great place for space-based research, but also a starting point for the military use of space. Winning the battle over low Earth orbit against the Soviet Union was just as important as beating them to the moon. Low Earth orbit wasn't as glamorous as the race to the moon, so it didn't receive as much public attention, nor political attention, nor ultimately funding, at least in real life. But in Bellatopia, the value of the fight for low Earth orbit was critical, and the Skylab series of space stations was important for long-term American presence in space. Even though it was important, that doesn't mean we focused on it. In fact, one of the great lessons for America on space exploration came when we lost focus on the value of low Earth orbit. Skylab 1, our first space station in low Earth orbit, failed to deliver on its plans and promises. Instead, it would take two follow-on Skylab space stations, Skylab 2 and Skylab 3, before America would understand what it would take to maintain a long-term presence in space in low Earth orbit. This is Skylab Plus. Welcome to Bellatopia. From the space program to high-speed trains. From bridges to artificial intelligence. From pop culture to politics and war to religion. Bellatopia is about the world of what if. What if different decisions were made in our history? Different priorities held by our leaders? Different politics involved? Let's see the world as it could have been perhaps, should have been, and might still become. Welcome to Bellatopia. The space race was actually fought on two fronts. The first was the race to the moon. This is what Project Apollo was originally created for. The second was the race to a permanent presence in low Earth orbit, the permanent manned space station. While the former was the more politically important race, due to the very public prestige associated with that voyage, the latter was actually a more important goal. Understanding, driving, and controlling human presence in low Earth orbit was critical for many reasons. First, it provides long-term research opportunities into the impact of space and the value of a space-based economy. Second, it provides research into Earth and what makes the planet function, including significant improvements in weather forecasting, climate study, and geological research. Third, there are huge advantages to the military and the national security for the purposes of proactive spying, reactive security monitoring, and even weapon delivery. Fourth, low Earth orbit is a perfect jumping off point, a transfer point, if you will, for future missions into deep space. 
All of these reasons made the race for low Earth orbit just as important as the race for the moon. It was just not as politically or socially charged of a mission as the moon race was. Ultimately, permanent manned stations that could be used for research and as a transfer station for future missions was the most immediate goal. But before we could do that, we needed to understand what it took to create, support, and populate such a station. What we needed were baby steps. We needed them fast before the Soviet Union could establish their foothold. It was truly a race. This is the story of Skylab. Skylab was a program for space stations based on the Apollo technology and part of the Apollo Applications Program that we've spoken about in previous episodes. In real life, there was a single Skylab space station, and the results from the stations were, well, mixed. It was a damaged station that limped along, yet still provided huge research benefits for us. In Bellatopia, Skylab was just the first of a series of three Skylab space stations ever built. In Bellatopia, Skylab was a true space station program that contributed greatly to our long-term knowledge of space and space colonization. What follows is a fictional documentary about the Skylab space stations and our race with the Russians towards having a long-term presence in low Earth orbit. The documentary is presented as if it took place in the year 2040, some 70 years after these events took place. The documentary, titled Our World in Space, describes the race to build space stations in low Earth orbit and how the Skylab program gave the Americans a lead in space research and an understanding of how to live and work for long periods of time in space. The documentary describes these events as a future historical record of past events. While fiction, it's based on much of the original Skylab 1 mission outcomes, along with thoughts and consideration on what follow-on Skylab missions would be like. This documentary is about the Skylab program and its impact on our long-term presence in space. The Skylab program, in the world of Bellatopia. Entering the world of Bellatopia, the year 2040. This is the documentary... Our World in Space. Hello and welcome to Our World in Space, the Skylab program. Most people thought the space race was all about the race to put man on the moon. But the space race was actually fought on two fronts. The first was the race to the moon. This is what Project Apollo was originally created for. The second front, and in some ways a perhaps more important front, was a race to put a permanent human presence in space, particularly a presence in low Earth orbit. This was the race for the first permanent manned space station. While the moon race was the more politically important goal, due to the very public prestige associated with the voyage, it was the latter goal that was actually a more important goal. Understanding driving and controlling human presence in LEO, or low Earth orbit, was critical to America's dominance in space. This is because low Earth orbit is where all of the space action would be. Low Earth orbit is where we build transfer stations for missions to other destinations. Low Earth orbit is where we could do research on our home planet, including important early research on climate and weather patterns, research that's been helpful to us today. Low Earth orbit is where we could spy on our enemies, and they could spy on us. Low Earth orbit was the beaches of Normandy for space. Conquering low Earth orbit was D-Day for the space race. Humans needed permanent manned space stations in low Earth orbit. It was really that simple. 
while ultimately permanent space stations that could be used for research and transfer points, like the ones we have available today, that was the goal. To accomplish that goal, we needed to understand what it took to create, support, and populate such a station. After the United States was successful in beating the Russians to the first lunar landing, the Soviet Union transitioned their space program quickly from one of racing to the moon to racing towards low Earth orbit. Very quickly, they built and launched the space station. On April 19, 1971, less than two years after Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, the Soviet Union launched Salyut 1, humankind's very first space station. This was a full six months before the United States could launch their first space station, Skylab 1. Once again, the Soviet Union beat American space. But Salyut 1 had significant problems. The first crew that visited Salyut 1 could not successfully dock with it due to a problem with the docking mechanism on the space station. They couldn't even open the door to the station. Instead, they had to return home without ever setting foot within the station. The second crew sent to Salyut 1 was the first and last crew to actually enter the space station. The second crew was on board for a mere 23 days before a fire forced them to abandon the space station permanently. What's worse, while the crew was re-entering the Earth atmosphere to come home, a pressurization problem in their ship killed the entire crew. When the ship was recovered, once it landed on Earth, the crew was found inside, dead. This was the Soviet Union's first attempt at a space station, but not their last attempt. They would create six other Soviet space stations in their race against the Americans. But before the Soviet Union could replace their first station, it was America's turn. For the United States, the first space station needed to be based on the same technology that powered Apollo. The space station program was part of the Apollo Applications Program, and the goal was to make significant use of Apollo technology. Project Apollo had already proved itself in landing on the moon. It was planned to be used for the future upcoming Venus flyby mission, and there were plans to use Apollo technology for the first lunar bases. But before it was used for any of these other projects, it was used to create Skylab. America's first space station, Skylab 1, was quickly built and quickly put into space. It was seen as a relatively simple project. Unfortunately, it was seen as so simple that the team was not focused and the station quality suffered. Like Salyut 1 with the Soviet Union, Skylab 1 would have significant problems. Let's look back at the creation and history of Skylab 1. Shortly after the formation of the AAP agency in October of 1969, this was the agency spinoff from NASA that was responsible for the use of Apollo technology. And shortly after Neil Armstrong walked on the moon for the first time, 
One of the very first projects for AAP was to figure out how to create a manned space station in low Earth orbit. The decision was made to build the station quickly and cheaply, simply to get into space ahead of the Russians. Hence, Skylab 1 was born. Skylab 1 was very simple. Take the third stage of a Saturn V rocket, add some solar panels, telescopes, and other research equipment, pressurize the vessel so it could be used by shirt-sleeve crews in low Earth orbit, then set it into space. Apollo command and service modules would be used to transport crews to the station, and the crews would perform simple scientific activities over medium to long duration voyages. It would really be that simple. Skylab 1 was quickly developed, and it was developed on a shoestring budget. After all, it was going to be easy. Skylab 1, unfortunately, was not the first space station into orbit. That honor would go to the Soviets with Soyuz 1. However, the problems with Soyuz 1 were well publicized, and America was sure we could do better. Finally, on October 13, 1971, Skylab 1 launched. But unfortunately, karma knocked on the door of this space station as well. During the launch, the outer shielding of the space station was torn off, as was one of the folded solar panels. The result? Skylab 1 was in jeopardy of boiling to destruction in the extreme heat of the sun in Earth orbit. Without the protection of the outer shielding, there was no way the station could support a human crew and keep them alive. Unless a solution was found, Skylab 1 would have to be abandoned even before it was put into service. But American ingenuity came into play. Over the next 10 days, options were considered and a plan was developed. The plan was to send a large parasol, an umbrella if you will, that would be used to cover part of the space station and keep the sun's energy from boiling the station. The umbrella would protect the station and save the program. American ingenuity saved the day. And 11 days after the launch of the original space station, the first crew of Skylab 1 arrived at the station with the parasol. They were able to deploy it as well as release the remaining solar panel to finally make the station habitable. The crew struggled to make the docking adapter on the station to work correctly though, a problem that was eerily reminiscent of Soyuz 1, but they were able to clear up the problem and enter the space station to continue their mission. Skylab 1 was saved. The lesson of Skylab 1 Nevermore would our tension falter when it came to an important mission. Too much was at stake. The value received from a space mission is usually in proportion to the amount invested, time, money, and focus. The more you invest, the more you got out of the program. That one lesson would serve the space agencies well for many years to come. It would be one of the main reasons why the manned space program continued to receive the funding it needed. The remainder of the Skylab program would receive the attention required and funding necessary to be successful. In all, three separate crews made Skylab 1 their home from October 15, 1971 until March 1, 1973. The longest crew stayed for 210 days, which was a record at the time. Skylab 1 was a success. 
America was once again the leader in establishing a presence in low Earth orbit. This was a lead that would actually be extended when the Soviet Union's next attempt at putting a station into space, Soyuz 2, which was launched on April 3, 1973, became a complete and utter failure. While no human lives were lost, the ship itself was destroyed. It survived in orbit a mere 13 days before it burned up in the atmosphere, having never even been visited by a human crew. Skylab 2 While successful, Skylab 1 was limited. It was small, it was injured, and it didn't have the power it needed to support our needs in space for the long term. Instead, a larger and more powerful space station was needed. This is where Skylab 2 came to be. Based on the same overall technology as Skylab 1, Skylab 2 was nearly twice the size of Skylab 1. It essentially consisted of two sections that were launched independently. Each section launched on its own Saturn V rocket. Each section looked like and was the size of an original Skylab 1, and each section looked very similar to the core of the original Skylab 1. The two sections were joined in space to create a larger space station. The new station, which looked more like two main Skylab modules attached together, was assembled in space by an assembly crew launched separately over a 24-day period during February of 1974. Once the assembly was complete, the larger station was capable of supporting two complete three-person crews simultaneously, six astronauts total at a time. The result was a station that could perform significantly more research with more astronauts involved. Skylab 2 supported six missions from March 10, 1974 until May 5, 1977. The fourth crew, that of Skydub 2 M4, was a three-man crew that broke the record for the longest stay in space of 426 days, or around 14 months. The long-duration habitation research of the latter Skylab 1 missions and the early Skydub 2 missions was critical in the evaluation of impact on the human body on long-duration missions. This was critical research for both the upcoming Venus flyby mission, but also for the planned manned bases on the lunar surface. Skylab 2 was a huge overall success. While most of what it accomplished did not receive the media attention that the Venus flyby mission would eventually receive, it was extremely important in the ongoing space race with the Soviet Union over the control and ownership of low Earth orbit. Soviets. Meanwhile, the Soviet Union wasn't sitting back and watching. Their first two attempts were major disasters, but on May 25, 1974, Soyuz 3 launched. Soyuz 3 remained in orbit for eight months. This was followed shortly after by Soyuz 4, 5, 6, and eventually Soyuz 7. 
Overall, the entire Soyuz program consisted of seven separate space stations. The last station in the series, Soyuz 7, was launched in April of 1982 and was occupied for over two and a half years concurrently. Soyuz 6 was in service for nearly five years. Finally, on February 19, 1986, the Soviet Union launched and began space-based construction of the Mir space station. This would be the first permanently manned space station in low Earth orbit. Mir was continuously manned and operated for over 15 years before it was finally retired and deorbited in March of 2001. Skydub 3. Meanwhile, back in America, hot on the success of Skylab 2, the United States was getting ready to launch Skylab 3. Still based on Apollo technology, Skylab 3 was essentially three Skylab 1 modules fastened together. These three segments were launched from three distinct Saturn V rockets and were assembled in Earth orbit using two separate three-person assembly crews over the course of nearly three months. Finally, on June 4, 1977, the first habitation crew arrived at Skylab 3 and stayed on board for 301 days. Over the course of the next seven years, a total of 18 crews would visit Skylab 3. At one point in time, three separate three-person crews would inhabit the space station all at once. Nine astronauts at once were on board the space station. Over the course of these missions, the longest duration stay by an astronaut was 522 days. That's nearly 18 months or a year and a half, the longest any human has spent in space. The United States was learning how to live and work in space. The Skylab program was extremely valuable to our understanding knowledge about how to live and operate in space. The research from Skylab helped us understand the impact of long-duration missions in space. This was critical not only for the Venus flyby mission, but for the future planned missions to Mars and beyond, along with our planned long-term habitation of the lunar surface. And it was needed for our research, development, and launch of Space Station Freedom, America's first permanently habitated space station. Space Station Freedom was substantially larger than the equivalent Soviet Union's Mir space station, and substantially larger than any of the Skylab stations, and it became a critical jumping-off point for future lunar missions and deep space missions. Freedom was our first and most stable permanent home in space, but that is a story for another time. For now, it should just be known that Space Station Freedom would not have been possible without the research that was performed by 25 distinct crews on board the three Skylab space stations. Skylab was a quiet but hugely critical success for the United States space program. This is the end of the documentary, Our World in Space. Brought to you straight from the year 2040. We now return you to the present day. Skylab truly was invaluable in our gaining experience in space. It was critical to our future missions and future plans. It was critical to our long-term success in space. As mentioned in the documentary, Skylab led to space station freedom, 
which gave us a permanent presence in space. Space station freedom was substantially larger and more stable than the Soviet Union's MIR space station. MIR was the Soviet Union's last major space project. The Soviet Union would soon be broken up. The space race would soon be over. Space station freedom, the Apollo lunar landings, the Venus flyby, and the early lunar bases were all United States projects. While the Soviet Union was the first in almost every goal of space exploration, other than the original lunar landing, it was the United States that ended up being the most successful and ultimately the leader in space exploration. But the push to space continued even if the competition was less fierce. Joint projects between nations, including the United States and Russia, were starting to occur. India, China, Europe, they were all becoming space-based powers. In real life, the manned space program only continued as part of a joint multination effort. The International Space Station was the largest and the only large-scale manned mission into long-term duration in space. The United States did not continue with manned space missions, focusing instead on robotic missions. But that was not the case in Bellatopia. In Bellatopia, the United States was the driving force for the continued exploration and exploitation of space by manned space missions. And later, after the eventual split-up of the United States, the leadership in space exploration and exploitation was continued by the Western Alliance of States and Providences, which included parts of the Western United States. We will continue to explore more of these missions in future episodes of Bellatopia. If you enjoyed this documentary about the Skylab series of space stations and would like more information about them, including mission milestones and timelines, ship diagrams, and plans, go to our website at bellatopia.com skylab. That's bellatopia.com S-K-Y-L-A-B. This week in Bellatopia history, two. 2026. October 13th, 2026. The ultimatum. This was the presidential executive order that would ultimately lead to the end of the Great Golden Standoff. The ultimatum required the United States military to pull out of California. The intent of the order was to force California to reconsider what was considered their illegal and immoral secession demand and rejoin the United States. If California would not come back into the fold, then they would be left out in the cold militarily without the support of the United States military. But California was ready for the ultimatum. They declared that any member of the United States military currently stationed in California would be given California citizenship for them and their family. Official pardon for any wrongdoing committed during the standoff when alliances were uncertain and membership in the newly formed California militia. All they had to do was formally leave the United States military. Over 80% of the U.S. military personnel stationed in California took the offer, and the California militia was established. The ultimatum from the U.S. was a failure. California and Washington state secession was strengthened, and ultimately, on March 15, 2026, the Great Golden Standoff ended, with the official recognition of California and Washington state's independence by the government of the United States of America. On the next episode of Bellatopia. I hope you are enjoying our world of Bellatopia. We're going to be taking a few weeks off for our mid-season break while celebrating the holiday season with our family. However, stay tuned. 
there might be some bonus content coming out during the break. We will continue the second half of Season 1 in the new year, where we plan on talking about Space Station Freedom, our two Apollo moon bases, a heavy lift space transport system, and our very first space station in lunar orbit. Thank you for listening to Our World of Bellatopia, and see you next year. And this season of Bellatopia... What if the early space program was fully funded, fully supported, and ultimately financially viable? This is The Space Race. This season on Bellatopia. Are you enjoying our vision of the world of Bellatopia? For more information, please check out our website at bellatopia.com. That's B-E-L-I-T-O-P-I-A. Until next time, enjoy our world.